The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com. Empire. Who's number one? Tech is. Georgia Tech. So we're going to start integrating sports ideas, whether the ideations from us or rather from the students. We'll start integrating that so maybe there's some startups that we can kind of pull into that space. That's Doug Alvey, the Assistant Athletic Director for Innovation at Georgia Tech, where they hope a hub of innovation will be. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. We will check in with the latest incubator at one of the leading tech schools in the country and then take a look down the street at the Falcons, who might not be heading toward a winning season on the field, but off of it, they're killing it. And speaking of number one, that is going to be determined this weekend in Tuscaloosa when LSU plays Alabama. And if you are bullish on either side, you might want to hear how you could buy your way into the national championship game. But let's start this week in Atlanta, Georgia, where the future is now. Go down to Atlanta and you'll see one of the most forward-thinking stadiums in the United States, the home of the Atlanta Falcons. But they're not done trying to catch up to the rest of the league in a lot of the forward-thinking spaces that we follow here. Eric Jackson from the Atlanta Business Journal joins us now. Hey, Eric, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me on, Brian. Uh, So where is Atlanta trying to catch up? You can have everything, all the data and all the tech, but... You know, if it's not being applied correctly, and maybe it is, but it's not showing up on Sunday. So, you know, the the story came out this week. The timing wasn't great, but <laughs> but yeah, man. I mean, they're doing some really cool things, man. I mean, they they are trying to stay at the top of this this data arms race, as they say. And yeah, man. I mean, they really built out their tech department. I mean, the, about a year and a half ago, they put everything under one roof, right? So video analytics you know their app development it's all under one roof now so you know they're being more efficient than ever i think you know there's other teams in the league that are doing the same but i think where the falcons are probably standing out is just you know the the money that's being invested because they have one of the bigger tech departments so about at 12 13 members you know and if you look around the league i, I don't see one that's that big i've seen ones maybe if you know and there's always it's hard to tell exactly because you know, there might be a, that intern or a couple of interns that aren't being accounted for, but you look around the team staffs and others, I don't see one that, the size of that. So they're, they're definitely uh, investing in that. And what were they trying to accomplish? Yeah, man. I mean, it's just like, I, I think kind of just like the other teams in the league, man, just trying to use the, the technology and data to supplement their decisions, you know, not just from the GM, but from the coach's standpoint, too. You know, I was kind of talking to Thomas Dimitrov, the Falcons GM, and he was kind of mentioning how it's kind of still 70-30 for him, you know, 70% kind of relying on tape and, you know, the football brains aspect. 
but that 30% is still a pretty big chunk. And it's actually, he even mentioned it's moving more to 60-40. So I think it's just interesting now how, you know, as football goes on, it's, it's the, the, you know, you can't ignore those numbers anymore, that, that data. So, you know, I think you're almost behind the league now if you're just, you know, you're not even incorporating that into the game plan. So Falcons are just trying to stay ahead of that, man. And they're, um, you know, their app development department's doing really cool. I think it's cool how now for like a GM, you don't have to, uh, you know, you don't have to get the whiteboard out and the pings and the, you know, the the dry erase markers to, to figure things out. Now, it, you know, you can pull it up on your phone and review film while you're in transit on an airplane or, you know, you don't have to pull out the clunky laptop anymore to try to look at these things. So let me go back to to what you said about the general manager, Thomas Dimitrov, because um, he has considered one of the more forward-thinking general managers in general. Did, did he feel like that the team was losing their edge by not using more data? Well, yeah, I think, I think more so forward-thinking, right? Because, you know, when he got there 10 years ago, you know, the Falcons were one of the first teams to start the player tracking data, you know, and the NFL – the NFL actually gave him a little slap on the wrist because, you know, they were so new at the time to be tracking this, you know, using this data. So it was a, it was a slap on the wrist, but it was kind of, a, you know, it was in good, good nature, right, competitive nature. Because now, obviously, it's commonplace now to be using the player tracking data, but the Falcons are really ahead of it at that time. And, you know, Mike Smith, the head coach at the time, was a little slower on it, right, an older coach, but, you know, Thomas gives Dan Quinn a lot of credit for being more forward-thinking and, you know, willing to use those numbers to supplement. So, you know, but obviously, you know, you can only, uh, like I said before when I got on the calls, it doesn't matter if, you know, if it's not showing up on the field, but it's definitely, uh, it definitely helps, right, I mean, to make those decisions. Because you kind of put it in, like, four buckets. It was like, you know, you got the pre-acquisition, the post-acquisition, kind of that return to play, and then the opposition, right? What are you using to, um, you know, against the opponents? So it's kind of in those four, those four buckets there, how they're kind of using it from, you know, from the GM's perspective, Thomas's perspective. Yeah, the computers still can't replicate covering Mike Thomas or taking a Khalil Mack hit yet. That's that's the one thing they right, can't right. quite do. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Vikings get a lot of credit and the Cowboys have obviously built that crazy facility and even the Rams, as far as scheming goes, they get a lot of credit, but the Falcons have to be considered right there too, man. So Eric Jackson from the uh, Atlanta Business Journal. Hey, thanks for joining us, Eric. Thanks, Graham. I appreciate it. Man. Up next, Doug Alvin at Georgia Tech, who hopes to be an institution that leads in the sports tech field. This is the Future Sport Podcast. There is a lot happening in the sports tech space in the city of Atlanta. We talked about what's happening with the Falcons, and now let's focus down the street at Georgia Tech, uh, where they have launched a sports innovation initiative, and joining us now is their assistant athletic director for innovation, Doug Alvin. How are you, Doug? Great. Thank you. What are you guys doing? Tell us, like, kind of give us the the, uh, the uh, above-ground picture of what's happening. 
Okay, so real high level. Um, obviously, uh, Georgia Tech, one of the top-ranked public colleges in the country and one of the leading research universities in the United States. And uh, our big focus was on technology down here at Georgia Tech. And when our new athletic director came on board a couple of years ago, he and I sat down and we kind of brainstormed on how we could leverage that and make that a differentiator for not just Georgia Tech, but for Atlanta. And so we felt that we could bring that technology, innovation, research, and apply it to sports and kind of establish Atlanta as the world leader in sports technology innovation. So at a high level. Uh, how, how far along are you on that process? The first thing that we did was we basically wanted to whiteboard out what sports innovation was because depending on who you are and what areas you're focusing on, you may view that as sports. So that was kind of good. Um, when uh, Todd put me in this role and then basically there was a little uh, message that was sent out across campus, the really neat thing was right away I got interest from people across campus in different areas. So Office of Industry Collaboration, Georgia Tech Research uh, Institute. Uh, there's another group called IPAT, Institute of People and Technology. Uh, the Venture Prize, which is a venture group. So there were just different groups across campus that wanted to get involved. So we kind of sat down and said, well, before we go forward with the strategy, let's figure out what sports innovation is. And so we kind of outlined it real high level into three kind of categories that at least fit well for us. So one of them is athletic performance, and that can be the athlete health and well-being, injury prevention, diagnostics management, that could roll into strength and conditioning, apparel equipment and design, safety, that type of things. But then also in that athletic performance side, there's this huge shift in interest right now in analytics. So combining that with wearables, you know, wearable sensing technology and data collection capture, and then using that data to assess, analyze, and improve performance. So that's one area. And then the other big area, there's two other ones. The other one is fan engagement, right? So with the different age segmentations going along, you know, we need to understand that there's different segmentations and are we engaging those people, uh, those age groups in different areas. Uh, that also could include communications, sales. So how are we interacting with the fan? And then third one, which is probably the least attractive, but maybe the biggest opportunity is operations. So that could be ticketing, game day operations, parking, security, concessions, ingress, egress, venue management. So at a real high level, we had to first define what sports innovation was. And then we said, okay, so how do we take that forward? And so I can keep talking, but uh, I interrupt, but I'll, I'll just basically, you know, we basically decided at a high level, Todd and I, you know, we want to establish Atlanta as the world leader in sports innovation technology. And I kind of was like, well, let's talk about what the big whys are, right? So clearly Georgia Tech with our research and our partnerships and our industry collaboration, there's a lot of opportunities for Georgia Tech. And then secondly, we do not want to forget the students, right? So there's great opportunity for sports innovation with students. Uh, one, from a testbed standpoint, so applying the technologies, but two, from a research standpoint. So we've started pulling in students to help us research sports innovation ideas. And then relationship-wise, this has been a very attractive component. So I mentioned earlier, once we made this position, 
the Institute kind of reached out and we've formed really good uh, collaborations with the Institute, but then we've expanded that out to the pro teams, um, the Falcons, obviously, the Hawks, the Braves, Atlanta United, Atlanta Dream, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We've worked work with all of those different groups. And then you were talking about you know, the Falcons just down the road. If you look towards our east, there's all of these innovation Fortune 100 companies that are putting their uh, headquarters or innovation headquarters right attached to the Georgia Tech campus. So combining Georgia Tech with Georgia Tech Athletics and then bringing in the sports teams in Atlanta, we've got something that could really be special. Uh, let's talk about wearables, analytics, and all, all of that stuff. This is commonplace around um, yep. around the country. What do you think would differentiate what you guys are trying to do in that realm? Right now, um, we each sport has partnered with various wearable technologies to um, help them analyze their individual performance, team performance, things like that. It turns out there's a really good... Um, uh, website, I think it's called Flex, Technolo- Flex Wearables uh, at Georgia Tech, and there's at least 40 faculty that are part of this group that have different technologies that they're using. And so, again, they haven't applied it to sports as like we would like to do. So to some extent they have, but they've applied it to other areas. And so clearly there's a good opportunity here to bring that into uh, athletics and use that. So it can be everything from, you know, accelerometers where you're, you're, you're tracking movement and jumping and things like that to, um, you know, health and cardio tracking or player tracking. It, it really depends, but um, we haven't really taken advantage of that yet. Like I said, we have bought into a lot of the really high-end technologies that are out there, uh, Catapult, MyVert, my, uh, my um, there's just those are just ones that I'm working with right now, but each team has their own, and so there's just a really good opportunity to start taking advantage of that technology and applying it to sports. Uh, I want to talk about fan engagement for a moment. You're in an interesting city. I record from Washington. There's a similar nature there in that there's a lot of transients, a lot of people come in and out of the city. It's a young city. There's a lot of things happening there. Not everybody's from the region, and you're trying to engage with people. Um, as you kind of move forward in how you engage with your fans, whether it's of the Georgia Tech programs or work with other teams, either locally or nationally, as they try to engage with the modern fan, what are you learning? So there are a lot of people working this space trying to figure out, I mean, there's, again, you want to engage the fans, but you don't want to distract them from the primetime event that they're focusing on. Um, You want to be able to provide them incentives to, uh, stay engaged in, in different manners. So there's there's no like formula as far as how that works. So um, you know we have our game day app that has various functions, but there's a lot of technology that we haven't necessarily integrated yet that we're looking towards doing. But um, it, like I said, it's a broad area. And like you talked about, I mean, there's you know different segmentations, and I think with the technology that we have in today's world with the phones and iPhones and or you know handheld phones and stuff like that and just different technologies i think that's an opportunity that um, could really help the sports continue to uh, maintain and grow in their popularity 
you know, some of the schools um, and programs that we've talked to, you know, they're, they're looking at a number of these things as well. But yours seems broad, where you have all these technology companies that are moving into Atlanta. You've got forward-thinking groups like the Falcons with their stadium and all the things that are happening right down the street from you. And, of course, you are a research university, a major tech hub um, right. of research. Are, are you guys looking at this to benefit Georgia Tech's programs, or are you looking at this as like, we want to be an incubator for tech startups around the country? Well, I think the answer is both. Um, so there are a couple things that we're doing. I mean, uh, there's a really neat entrepreneurship program uh, within Georgia Tech called CreateX, and it is uh, basically an entrepreneurship program that starts you from idea and basically launch where you've got a minimal viable product and you're kind of going out in the marketplace. So we're going to start integrating sports ideas, whether the ideations from us or rather for, from the students, we'll start integrating that. So maybe there's some startups that we can kind of pull into that space. Um, we're looking at uh, building a sports performance lab that could bring in the technology, uh, not only from um, existing medical and, and uh, assessment applications, but bring in the technology from our institute from a research standpoint, or maybe even from the outside. So we'll do screenings for our student athletes, and then based on their screenings, we'll provide various analysis that we can do to help improve and strengthen their um, athletic performance. So again, there's just different areas that we can bring in technology into our athletic program that uh, I think are, are Georgia Tech's in the right position to do at this phase uh, of the development. You know, it's interesting when you have a, an institution like this, um, it can be broad, it can be narrow, you can choose however the way you want to go, and it sounds like you guys have taken a very broad overview of all of this, and as you've started, has that narrowed to what you think are the right tracks to start off with, or has this just gotten more broad as more things have kind of fallen on your plate and you've gone, we should include that as well? Well, it's interesting you mentioned that. We had a think tank the other day, and it was really broad. We had faculty from various engineering schools. We had um, corporations, just a couple people from Accenture. We had a couple people from Coca-Cola. And we basically went with what I originally shared with you. And the feedback was really good, but the feedback was also like, that's really broad. We need to narrow down. And so ironically, going forward in our think tanks, we're going to break it down at least into those three areas that I talked about, the performance, you know, the fan engagement operations, because it is a really broad space, and we do need to strategically figure out where we think we can add the most value, uh, being Georgia Tech and the research that we can bring to the table. It's really interesting. It's literally changing everything we've known about, whether it's collegiate or professional sports. Doug Alvin is the Assistant AD of Innovation at Georgia Tech. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Up next, LSU, Alabama, and the other title contending fans can make an RSVP to get into the title game if their team makes it. This is the Future Sport Podcast. So let's take a minute here to thank our friends at 3Advance. These guys are ranked one of the nation's top app developers, but that's not all. 
They've helped grow a bunch of sports tech startups like Team Builder, T-Box Tour, and In-Game Fantasy. But they're also experts in user experience, cloud APIs, and artificial intelligence. So if you're looking for a dev partner to bring your future sport tech to life, look these guys up. Go to 3advance.com. They're the team to make it happen. At Advance, you will. That's the number 3advance.com. And tell them Future Sport sent you. People in the South need to pay attention to this this week as LSU is going to be facing Alabama for what might be the first of two meetings this year. The second could take place in the college football playoff. Chief Operating Officer Rob Boaz of Dibbit and the college football playoff RSVP program joins us now. Hey, Rob, how are you? I'm great, Bram. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Anything you'd like to say to the people of um, Louisiana or Alabama this week about what may be coming down the pike for them? Uh, we're looking forward to a great game between LSU and Alabama. This should be a, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, like, like anything down in the South, the uh, college football is just crazy down there. So I'm sure fans will be tuning in and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a great one. One versus two. And, and who knows, maybe they'll play each other uh, again come late December into early January, which is where you come into all of this, which with the college football playoff RSVP program. Um, what is it? What does it do? Yeah, so we have an agreement with College Football Playoff, which is a national championship game, where we offer a program for fans where they can purchase a RSVP for their favorite team. And if their favorite team makes it to the national championship game, they're guaranteed the right to purchase a face value ticket for the game. It's as simple as that. So we, we launched the program in August, and the prices change as the, years go, as the year goes. But the great part about it is it's a fan-friendly way for fans to call their team throughout the season and know that they're going to be at the game when their team makes it. So you could have done this. I could have done this in August. I'm an Ohio State fan. I could have done this in August and put in a reservation. And if Ohio State gets to the playoff, I could still buy a ticket. Absolutely. So the, it doesn't matter when you purchase your RCP. It, you know, the, the prices, like I said, fluctuate based on how the season's going. So, you know, if you'd bought in August, the Ohio State uh, RCP would have been a little bit cheaper than it is now. But that's the main reason is because it's a little bit more likely that Ohio State makes it to to the championship game at this point in time. And if they don't make it, it what, what's the risk factor? The risk factor, factor factor is that you lose your money from it. Uh, so it is, you know, the you know, if your team doesn't make it, your RCP expires, and you know, hopefully, you just do it again next year, and then your team does make it, uh, so that you can get tickets to the game uh, next year. Um, all right, so how did you guys come up with this? What was the genesis of all of this? The, the real genesis is college football playoff wanted a way for their fans to be able to, to attend the game. And, you know, the anytime you have a tournament-style uh, championship game, you're not going to know which teams are in the game until the very end. So this way allows fans to follow along throughout the journey of their team th- through the season and know that they're going to be able to go to the game for face value. So that's really the, the main uh, idea of why we have this program and what the value brings to uh, consumers. I mean, there may not be any way around this, but there's probably a lot of people that are interested in the secondary market that go, I'm just going to put in RSVPs for Alabama because they're there every year. Um, so how do you got to deal with the people that are doing this that aren't specific fans? Absolutely. And we, we limit it to uh, six RSVPs per, per team. So, you know, if someone does want to go in there and do that, you know, that is their choice. It, it is a marketplace so you know like anything the the you can lose your money from it so i mean it's 
it's a great program for fans that do want to go. And, and I'm sure there are some people that, that say, okay, well, I'm going to try it out and see what happens. And, you know, we, we try to treat, treat it as a fan friendly thing so that, uh, you know, if people do want to do that, it's kind of their choice, but we're not going to please it too much. Um, what's the results been? What, what has been the feedback from people? Yeah, so, so our first year operating this program was two years ago for the uh, game in Atlanta, and it was a huge success from our program, mainly because that game you know, skyrocketed in demand, where it was Alabama versus Georgia in Atlanta, so you know, the secondary ticket prices you know, shot through the roof. And a you know, perfect example, Georgia opened, in the, opened the year – not even ranked in the top 25. So RCPs for them at the beginning of the year were, were extremely cheap. I mean, people could get in the door for $25 plus the face value of a ticket. So we've heard quite a few stories of fans saying, hey, I, I, I trusted my team and I was able to get in the game at a very reasonable price. So that's the perfect example of how our program works in success. Last year in Santa Clara, you know, the market wasn't as high of a demand with two teams, you know, kind of flying across country. But the one thing that we heard from our fans was they were comfortable because they were able to lock in a price that they were comfortable with well in advance and have price certainty. Yeah. You know, they kind of take the marketplace of secondary market out of the equation in, in a scenario like that. Uh, I'll let you go on this. Um, so we've talked about this, but it's part of your company, Dibit. What do you guys do? Yeah, so honestly, our, our biggest thing is we, we sell options or reservations for any, any events that could could happen in the future so you know we hope to expand to a, a variety of different things any anytime there is a tournament where there's a demand and you know something is contingent upon happening uh that's where we come in where we can sell something that may or may not happen and you know give fans peace of mind so you know we hope to expand in the future but right now we're focusing mainly on this uh, college football playoff uh, reservation rob boaz is the coo of divot and the college football playoff rsvp program thanks thanks a lot bram really appreciate it that will do it for us this week. Remember, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.